says, These are the laws you should place before them. He says, In an orderly fashion. And that's where we get Shulchan Aruch. You have to put it in like a set table, easy to understand. So that's the simple meaning. It says the Zohar, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, he quotes Unkulus, and he says, Unkulus says, you should put them before them in an orderly fashion. And then he writes something unbelievable. He says, Ilan inun sidurin de gilgula. This is the order of reincarnation. He says, the laws of the souls, that each one is judged to receive its punishment. So something, we just literally started one minute ago. Unkulus on the first pasuk says, you should, you put in front of them in an orderly fashion. The, the Zohar comments, Rav Shimon Bar Yochai says, what does Unkulus mean in orderly fashion? He says, this is the secret to Gilgulim and the punishment of people through Gilgulim. The question is, what is he talking about? What is he talking about that this is the... This is the so the interpretation has perplexed a lot of the commentaries. Where do we find that this verse alludes to reincarnation? Furthermore, what order of, or what said there of reincarnation is he talking about? Rashi says, Hashem says to Moshe, it should not enter your mind to say, I'm going to teach them a section of the Torah again and again and again so they know it. He says it's not so that they should be able to just repeat it. He says in Rashi, that you, but I shall take, he, sh- he says in Rashi that you have to, I shall not take the trouble to make them understand the reason. They have to understand the reason and the significance of everything you're teaching them. And he finishes like a table fully laid before a person with everything ready for eating. That's where we get Shulchan Aruch. And this verse is from Rabbi Akiva. He's the one who says the laws have to be laid out like a set table. So this is, he says, but why? says, Rashi deduced Rabbi Akiva's intent. Here, Moshe was instructed to teach B'nai Israel the rationale behind the mitzvot as well so that they could become, so that they could become comprehended like mishpatim. So you have chukim that we don't understand. So Hashem is basically telling Moshe, you also have to teach them this. You have to teach them these laws also. Notwithstanding, we have to understand what was Rabbi Akiva comparing the commandments to teach B'nai Israel the, the reasons. If he's going to teach the reasons, how do you say reasons in Hebrew? Behind the mitzvot. Ta'ameh mitzvot So ta'ameh mitzvot you would teach him ta'ameh mitzvot compared to food on the table. Not the set table. Like ta'am of the food. So the question is, why is he using table? Why not food? You want to tell him food, food? What does it care if you put the food on the table or not? What do you need the table for? That, that's the question. So it goes. The Gemara says, while the Bet Hamikdash stood, the Mizbeach provided Bnei Israel with atonement. Now that there's no Bet Hamikdash, we get atonement through our table. Our table. How? It's curious why uh, the Chachamim described the act of eating and service as Shulchano Shel Adam a person's table upon which he eats. Rabbi Chaim Vital writes in Sha'ar HaKavanot, in the name of the Arizal, he writes, I saw that my blessed teacher 
was very careful to always eat off of a table with four legs. No pedestal. Okay. Most of my tables have pedestal. Because <laughs> nobody wants to hit the corner. Okay. It says, but he always ate on a table with four legs because it resembled the shulchan in the Ben HaMikdash. It seems that the notion of a four-legged table is very important based on this principle in Sha'ar HaKedushah. He says, in the name of Arizal, we know that Hashem created man out of four basic elements. The four elements are fire, wind, water, and earth. In Hebrew, Esh, Ruach, Mayim, Afar. These four elements correspond to the four letters of the name Havaya, the Yud, the He, the Vav, and the He. If man did not sin with the tree of knowledge, his body and his soul would have existed in perfect harmony with regard to the four elements, and he would have lived forever. So the secret is to bring the elements together, like bringing the Shem Hashem, the Yud, K, the Vav, and the K together, is to combine the elements. When he sinned, the four elements were infused in a mixture of tovera, good and evil. And it was decreed that man must die due to the separation of the elements from one another. He goes on, the Arizal, to explain how all of the human attributes stem from these four basic elements. The negative attributes stem from the evil portion contained within the elements, while the positive from the good within them. And he describes it as follows. He says, haughtiness and anger stem from? Ish. Idle speech stems from the negative aspect of ruach, wind. Earthly cravings and desires sprout from the negative aspect of mayim, just flows. He says, the negative aspect of afar gives rise to all forms of sadness. So if you remember, we did last year... That there are the four that, that a person who wants to succeed in life, he has to remember the four, the four uh, ways of damages: shore, bore, uh, mava. So all of that is really it's unbelievable because it's really the same. But this is really the Arizal is telling this from the from the side of the Zohar. So we're going to so stick the, with the Arizal for a second. The four, the four Everything seems to relate to this same aspect. He says, the same way the good positive attributes originate from the good of the four elements. How? Humility stems from fire, correcting the tendency of haughtiness. He says, the same way, being silent and mute, except when occupied with Torah, that stems from the ruach, the wind. He says, the disgust for physical delights and excesses corrects the negative aspect of mayim, of water. And he said, and the opposite of depression is being happy with what has in his life, with what a person has with his life, sameach bechakor. And that comes from the tikkun of the, of the earth. He says, so with this introduction, we could begin to appreciate what the tikkunah Zohar is saying regarding what Moshe just said, sacrifices. The purpose of offering a korban is to make amends for the damages one transgressed through those four elements. He writes that causing a defect in the four elements is tantamount to inflicting a wound on one's soul. The affliction causes the four elements to separate from one another. Simultaneously, the elements of fire separate from water, wind separates from earth. 
The result of this separation is conflict and lack of harmony. This causes the name of Hashem to abandon them because you're breaking up the name of Hashem. Allows the Yetzer Hana, known as Samachmem or Satan, to enter because Hashem doesn't stay anywhere that there's no harmony. To remedy this, we bring a Korban. What does a Korban do? It reunites the elements in harmony. Hashem returns immediately, Satan flees. If he does not flee, he's consumed by the fire of the Korban, as it's written. The fire on the Mizbeach shall remain aflame in it. This is, how do we understand this? How does a Korban rectify the four elements? The element of Esh is rectified by the fire of the Korban. The element of Ruach, which is the source of speech, is rectified by the person making a confession over the Korban. The element of Mayim is, is corrected through the, through the putting into salt. Because we say that there was a covenant made with salt from, from Bereshit. The earthly waters were promised that they would be offered on the Mizbeach in the form of salt and also in the water of Sukkot. And the element of Afar comes from what? We read last week in the Torah, you could only make the Mizbeach out of dirt, out of earth. So this is the explanation of Rashi's comments concerning the creation of man from earth. He says, Hashem took soil from the place of the future Mizbeach, hoping that it would atone for man and allow him to endure. That's why we have the Mizbeach out of earth, and man was made from the same earth as the Mizbeach. This coincides with what the, the Kedushat Levi writes concerning the Gemara. He says, a korban must be inspected for four days prior to slaughter to ensure that it does not have any flaws. What does that mean? He explains that during those four days prior to being the sacrifice, when you're inspecting the animal, the person has to prepare themselves to sanctify the four basic elements and to elevate them from the status of an animal to that of a human being. That's the four days. Four days? Four days before you bring oh. the sacrifice, you have to have the... Yeah. So now we can understand why the Arizal is asking for a four-legged table a little bit. Why? Like the Shulchan and the Ber HaMikdash, because it's pointed out man's table atones for him in place of the Mizbeach. We have explained the Korban was offered to rectify the four basic elements. Therefore, a person's table, which is in lieu of the Mizbeach, should have four legs alluding to those four basic elements in man that require a tikkun and atonement. Now let's look at what we learned to better comprehend Rashi's comment on what Rabbi Akiva says. Hashem instructs Moshe not only to teach B'nai Israel the halachot and to review with them several times, but to make sure they understand the rationale behind them. The reasons underlying the mitzvot are compared to Shulchan Aruch, ready for man to eat off of. It might seem preferable for a person to fulfill the mitzvot without any regard of their reasons. Just do what Hashem tells us to do. Because Hashem commanded us. Moshe, that's yours. No problem. So, we suggest that at first glance it seems preferable to just do the mitzvot because Hashem told you to do the mitzvot without, without uh, needing to know the reason. You simply do it because the king told you to do it, like we say a chok. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, we learn that the purpose of the mitzvot is to rectify and, sanct- and sanctify the four basic elements which comprise esh, ruach, mayim, afar. So it's imperative 
that a person examine the reasons underlying the mitzvot so that he's going to recognize which elements he's going to be able to rectify within himself through the mitzvah that he's doing. He has to have some conscience of what's going on and what's happening in order for it to work. So it's for this reason that Hashem commanded Moshe to teach B'nai Israel the rationale behind the mitzvot. We learn the vital principle from Rambam. He teaches that it's worthwhile to examine the reasons for the Torah's commandments in order to acquire proper perspective and act appropriately. This is what the Rambam writes. Even though all the laws of the Torah are decrees, it is still necessary to explore them. Anything you can find a reason for, you should do so. It is said that Shlomo HaMelech ascertained the reasons for almost all the chukim. We say except for... Paraduma. This is necessary in order to overcome the Yetzer and to achieve proper perspective. Most of the laws of the Torah are merely good advice and guidelines from above to help us acquire proper perspective and act appropriately. Ramban, usually the other side of Ramban, writes something similar. According to the Ramban, the purpose of the mitzvot is to refine a person's negative attributes. And this is what he writes. The purpose of mitzvot is not for Hashem's benefit, but rather for man's benefit. To protect him from harm or improper beliefs or negative attributes. They also serve to remind him of miracles and wonders performed by Hashem to help us achieve a better understanding of Hashem. Thus, the Midrash employs the phrase... Just as silver is refined to remove its impurities, so too mitzvot are intended to refine a person and free him of impurities such as improper beliefs. As a result, we'll ultimately perceive the truth and remember Hashem. Ultimately, the mitzvot teach us good midot. So according to what we learned above, the purpose of mitzvot is to refine us. And specifically, according to the Arizal, to refine the four elements within us, within our makeup. Rav Chaim Vital says, all the midot originate from these four elements. Therefore, it's essential to explore the reason underlying the mitzvot in order to subdue the negative aspects of the particular elements by means of the appropriate mitzvah. So we now have a better understanding of Rashi's explanation of the words of Rabbi Akiva. Moshe, tells, uh, Moshe is told by Hashem, teach B'nai Israel the mitzvot like a set table so they understand. And therefore, they could rectify the basic elements within themselves. Now, we have basic understanding of that. What does all that have to do with reincarnation? It says, let us address the words of Rashbi. At the beginning of the parasha. Yeah? Um, maybe um, the purpose is the rationale. That's the rationale. Now, let us address Rashbi's words at the beginning of the parasha. These are the mishpatim that you should place. He quotes Unkelus and he says, These are the laws that you should place before them, which means, These are the orders of reincarnation, the laws of the souls that each one is judged to receive its punishment. There's a concept presented in the Sefer, Binat Yisachar. This is the name of the book. Authored by the great Rabbi Yisachar Ber Blach. Described as a, he's a Ish Kadosh. It is well known from the Zohar Kadosh and the Kabbalistic literature that Hashem sends the sinner down to earth several times in various reincarnations. 
The purpose of these reincarnations is to correct all of the harm and defects one has caused. So that's what he's saying. You've got to fix it, right? You're going to see. The Minat Yisachar poses an intriguing question. What is the point of sending man down again as a reincarnation? It is just as likely that not only will he fail to correct the previous damage, but he might add additional sins to his resume that weren't present in the previous incarnation. In that case, it would be preferable not to reincarnate at all. If you messed up once, what's going to prevent you from messing up again and messing up worse? He provides an answer based on the well-known fact that sins originate from the bad midot that are inherent in a person from birth. We have with us the things we have to be metaken over. This is part of who we are. That's the story, you know, where they take the picture of Moshe and say he was an evil guy because he overcame whatever those were. A person born with the attribute of haughtiness will likely pursue honor and respect and be jealous of anyone that is greater and more important than him. A person born with the trait of stinginess will refrain from acts of tzedakah and kindness. Everyone's sins are rooted in the bad midot that were inherent in his nature from birth. So the Binati Sahar concludes, Therefore, what does Hashem do to save us? He reincarnates a sinner into a body with midot opposite to the midot of his previous body. For instance, if he previously possessed the trait of being stingy, he was a miser, he's going to reincarnate into a body possessing the trait of being a spendthrift. It's the opposite test. He says, or if the person possessed the trait of haughtiness and arrogance, he's going to reincarnate into a body that is naturally humble and modest. Consequently, the person is more likely to improve his lot by means in reincarnation than to cause further damage. Hashem is giving you a gift. I'm sending you back with an extra ability to overcome that which you messed up the last time. Based on this introduction, we now can look at an explanation for a concept presented by the Mikubalim, originally from Tikkun Zohar. Hashem subjects the soul of the sinner to three reincarnations and no more. I remember learning three strikes you're out. That's where baseball got it from. But in fact, it's not that. Hashem subjects the soul of the sinner to three, three incarnations. If he fails to accomplish the necessary tikkun for his flaws, in those three attempts, his only recourse is... Another three. No, down to H-E-L-L. Oh. That's it. I think they could come back as um, an animal... But here he's, he's keeping it simpler. So the Tikkun Zohar finds an allusion to this notion in this pasuk. Ve'im shalosh ele. If these three lo ya'asela, he doesn't do the ha. Ve'yatzach inam en kasef. She goes out free with no money. This is the message concealed also by Iyov. It says, Hen kol ele if al al pa'amayim shalosh im gaver. He says, three times, again, basically three times you're out. You have the, so he says, if he fails to perform these three things for the girl, if you have a Hebrew, a girl servant, so he has to give her a kesutah, her, her, 
he has the three things he has to make sure. Uh, yeah, we have to pull it out to. Says, so he says, she goes out free. We have. So the simple answer might be, why three? Because we say three is a chazakah. We learned in the Gemara that three times you do it, you're not going to change. It says, yet according to what we learned from the Minati Sachar, we could provide a very nice answer. If we include man's initial appearance and lifetime on earth and add his three reincarnations, it turns out that he gets to visit the world not three times, but four times. We can postulate that each visit was meant to rectify one of the four basic elements. Based on the nature of the four elements, we can expect the reincarnations to follow a logical order. For instance, let's suppose that during the man's first existence on earth, the element of Aish prevailed. So he was exhibiting bad midot that arise from Aish, such as arrogance, anger, being overly strict. So Hashem feels bad, I'm going to send you back, but this time what am I going to do? I'm going to put you into a body where Mayim is going to prevail, so you should be able to overcome what you messed up the previous time. For Mayim is the opposite of Aish. Therefore, he would no longer be inclined toward the bad midot stemming from fire. Thus, he would be likely to correct the defect and damage caused the first time, because he's not going to do it again. If he successfully corrects the damage and defects from the previous existence, he merits ascension after his death to Gan Eden, or to the next level. Yet if he fails again during his first reincarnation, falling victim to the bad midot arising from the element of Mayim, such as lust, coveting, and jealousy, Hashem's going to give him another chance. This time he's going to come back and he's going to give him one way Ruach prevails, instead of Mayim. So he's no longer going to be drawn to those bad midot. So you say, okay, let's see if you could overcome the, the aspects of ruach, speech and whatever. So if he succeeds this time to rectify the flaws from the previous incarnations, all is well. So now what does he do? He's dealing with the, te- the, the desire to speak. So he should be able to fix his anger and fix his other things because he shouldn't be drawn to them. But if he fails once again and succumbs to the bad midot from ruach, such as wasting his time, frivolous endeavors, speaking Lashon Hara, telling lies, etc. He's gonna, he then comes back a third time. In this third reincarnation, Hashem places him in a body personifying the basic element of Afar, dust, dirt, so that he's not going to be lured towards the bad midot that arise from Eish, Mayim, or Ruach. Once again, if he corrects, then he moves on. If, however, he fails once again, He's drawn toward the bed midot from afar, sadness and laziness. Then what the Arizal is saying in essence, and what he's quoting from the Sefer, he's saying that there's no purpose to bring him back again. Because he gave him every single opportunity from every single angle to overcome. And he fails four times in a row. If he fails in this fourth reincarnation, you see he already visited the world four times, each time in a different body, personifying one of these elements. Since he was unsuccessful in rooting out and overcoming his bad midot in these four attempts, there's no purpose in returning him to another human form. At last, Hashem Hashem has granted us a small glimpse into the depth of the wisdom of Rashbi. Rashbi began with the following... 
He said the judgment and laws alluded to in the opening Pasuk of our parasha pertain to the order and process of reincarnation. It's a method of tikkun for the neshamot. He followed in the footsteps of his rabbi, who was Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva says these are the judgments you placed before him, taught them, that Moshe was commanded to teach the reasons. He was to present them to B'nai Israel like a table with four legs, set and ready to eat off of. This is going to enable a person who's understanding to rectify his neshama related to those specific items. So Rashbi is explaining that the purpose of teaching B'nai Israel the reasons for the mitzvot is to spare them the orderly process of Gilgulim. As we learned, the person who fails to rectify his four basic elements has to reincarnate three times. With each renewed existence, he's meant to overcome one of the four elements. Now we can appreciate the gravity and importance of knowing the reasons underlying the mitzvot because in order for us to be able to overcome, we have to understand each thing, how it relates to what we're doing. And this knowledge and, and this tool allows us to rectify all four basic elements that are needed in the, the idea of reincarnation. So I saw other places that basically you could reincarnate the four. You just have to be able to graduate to the next. And then you get another four chances. As long as you make some improvement, you can keep coming back until you check off all of the boxes. But it says, this is the sword of Gilgulim, is this whole idea that we see here. And then I said, if we go back to what we said last year, this whole idea of the damages that a person causes is really the Satan coming against you. One is the boar, is depression. One is passion, which was the fire. One of them was the, the tooth, which is... Uh, the, the tooth, which is, uh, what's it called? Eating. And the other one was the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the foot of the animal, which is haughtiness, is the, is the animal. So this is all of these things, really, you look at them from every different direction, from the people who are explaining it in the way of Midot, and the people explaining it in the way of Kabbalah, and the people The bottom line is everything is there to really to understand that we should look at ourselves at our core, and try to do some self-analysis. One of the things I saw that was also that, that this idea is that the, these, the damages are basically divided into three. There's my relationship between man and God, my relationship between man and man, and my relationship between man and himself. And in order to be able to understand, we have to understand the mitzvot and how they relate to all of those things and, uh, and be able to go forward. You know, the book um, I have.